Acts chapter 6 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report. Are you ready? Here's the qualifications. You got to be full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. How many know that after you get the Holy Ghost, you get wisdom? There's these things called the fruit of the Spirit. And if you let it, the Holy Ghost will lead you with wisdom and with great counsel. Amen. Holy Ghost and wisdom. Whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to preaching the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Ghost. There it is. He's full of the Holy Ghost. And Philip, and Pecurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they prayed, they laid their hands on them. Now, this next part is what we want to happen in Atlanta, right here. And the word of God increased. And when the word of God increases in the city, the number of disciples is going to increase. How many want to have disciples increasing in this city? Let's replace Jerusalem with Atlanta right here. And the number of disciples multiplied in greatly. That's what we want to see happen. Greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. They were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith, and now he's not just full of faith, he's full of faith and power. Because if you stay full of faith in the Holy Ghost long enough, it's not long before the power begins to work through you. And Stephen did great wonders and miracles among the people. For the next few moments, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to preach to you our role as apostolics. Would you set your Bibles down? And one more time, would you lift your hands? And would you just ask that God would have his will and his way in this service all across this house? Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you've done already. We thank you for the beautiful move of the Holy Ghost that has visited this beautiful sanctuary. Now, God, let your kingdom come and let your will be done in the remainder of this service. Fill somebody with your spirit. Heal somebody and let somebody be delivered by the power of the word of God and by the authority that's in the only saving name of Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, we loose the gifts of the Spirit into this atmosphere right now, and we pray that you would confirm this word with signs following. We ask it, and we believe it in the wonderful name of Jesus. If you believe God's going to do it, why don't you clap your hands and shout? Come on, really shout. Praise Jesus like he's done a miracle in your life. Praise him like he's done something for you before, for his excellent greatness. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Please be seated in Jesus' name. This text in Acts chapter 6 is the beginning of the Samaritan revival. It has broken out in Jerusalem and in Judea, but they have gone as far as they could go with who they have operating at the level that the 12 apostles were operating in. You read Acts 1 through 5 and you see things like by the hands of the apostles, by 
the laying on of hands by the apostles. The apostles prayed, or the shadow of Peter. This is pretty amazing. My shadow is not that powerful, but the shadow of Peter passing by people and his mere shadow, when it passes over them walking down the street, people are getting healed just by the shadow. These are truly the days of apostolic revival. And that's why Acts 6 and 1 begins with four very important words. And in those days. The days that it is referring to is the days of genuine apostolic revival. The days where 120 get it in a moment. Where 3,000 receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost after one sermon is preached. Where 5,000 men are believing on the Lord. If you take the same math as the feeding of the 5,000. They suggest that there very well could have been a 25,000 soul revival that took place that day. That is genuine revival. And I want you to know today that as I travel across this wonderful organization and I feel the spirit that is not just within this church, but you can feel it within this city. There is a genuine hunger and there is revival in the atmosphere. Amen. I believe that we are in the days of apostolic revival. I believe we are in the days where we are seeing it just as the book of Acts saw it. I do not believe that great revival is relegated just to the book of Acts or just to the turning of the century or just to those at Topeka, Kansas or Azusa. I believe that we are in the very days where if a church is hungry enough to have it, a church can have real revival. Is anybody hungry for revival in this place? Is anybody desiring that God would really move in the place? You can feel a stirring in this city. I fly through Atlanta all the time. And you can feel there's a stirring in this city. There is a desiring in this city for something more. There is a desire in this city to be connected to the genuine and to the authentic. And I want you to know you're not just another church amongst other churches in Atlanta West. But you are the church of which God is desiring to send a mighty revival. Someone shout, I believe it. Someone shout, I want it. A few years ago, I was praying, or last year, I was praying in West Virginia in revival there. I was getting ready for a Thursday night service, and as I was preparing for that service, Brother John's, the Lord spoke to me. He said, my people don't want revival. I said, what do you mean, God? He said, they don't want revival because revival disrupts their schedule. He said revival has the ability to show up and just mess everything up. When you read Acts chapter 10, the Bible says uh, that Peter was getting ready to eat supper. It says he would have eaten. He was up on the roof. Uh, he was smelling supper rise up through the ceiling. And he was sitting up there ready to eat. The Bible says he was hungry. Uh, but while he was getting ready to go through his normal everyday life, uh, he fell into a trance. Uh, and God shook up 
up his schedule and sent the uttermost revival where now everybody in the world, the people, the Gentiles are going to experience revival. Can I tell you, if we're going to have revival, you've got to let God mess up your devotion. You've got to let God mess up your routine trip to Walmart to get groceries. You've got to let God mess up your day. Let him mess up your, come on somebody. Let me tell you my prayer, God, mess up my schedule, God, mess up my day, God, mess up my, my goodness. And if we're going to have that type of revival, you've got to understand that we as the apostolic church, we are Pentecostal by experience, but we are apostolic by doctrine. That's what we believe. We believe one God. We believe baptism in Jesus' name. We believe the infilling of the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in a new tongue. And if you're here this morning and you have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, let me tell you, it's called the gift of the Holy Ghost for a reason. It's already been bought, paid for, wrapped, and delivered. All you've got to do is lift your hands, repent of your sins, and your praise will unwrap that gift, and you will begin to speak just like Isaiah said in chapter 28 with stammering lips and another tongue. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. We learned Friday night the man of God stood, he preached that the name or, or, or what it means to be apostolic is to be sent. Is to go, is to take the message that you have been given and to do something with it. You see, in Acts chapter 6, they have gone as far as they could go just by the hands of the 12 apostles, by the hands that were doing the work. This was as far as they could take it. The Bible makes it very clear that there was some frustration that began to happen in the camp because the widows were being neglected in the daily ministration. What does that mean? They didn't have any money in their Apple Cash for DoorDash and Uber Eats. Let's make it relevant to us here today. Uh, they weren't able to get, you know, uh, Dunkin' Donuts DoorDash that morning. And so they began to get a little frustrated at what was going on. Because when God's church begins to enter into a season of revival, uh, there's always going to be some things uh, that begin to get frustrated in the normal. Hey, if you're going to have, it always gets a little messy around revival time. I'm going to say that again. It always gets a little messy around revival. Don't get frustrated when people start acting a little bit abnormal around revival time. That just means that God is getting ready to shift something in the atmosphere. Man, I feel this in the Holy Ghost right now. Hey, issues rose up for the 12 apostles. Don't get frustrated when issues rise up. That just means God's getting ready uh, to take you to the next level of revival. Don't get frustrated when things uh, get a little uncomfortable. That just means God is getting ready to elevate the next group of people uh, into a realm of apostolic ministry uh, that they've never been to before. Uh, so Stephen... You know, the Bible says, I love Stephen. And I, listen, I know when we preach about Stephen, it's always like the thing hanging over the message. You know, you know he got stoned, right? 
right? Let me tell you something. If you think you're going to do something for God and people aren't going to throw stones at you, then you're not qualified to do things for God. If you think you can go back to your family and tell them that you were baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, uh, it seemed like every single one of them turned into armchair quarterbacks and they all got something negative to say. If you would have went to another church down the road, they would be okay with it, but you come back telling them you're a tongue talker now and out of nowhere they've got an issue with you. Let me tell you something. It's because the enemy is afraid of the authentic. Don't be discouraged. Don't lose hope. You stand flat-footed in the face of it adversity and say you can throw your stones of judgment I'm about to be a catalyst for revival hey I want to tell a new convert I feel this right now that struggling because you were baptized and your family doesn't like what you got baptized in and your family doesn't like how you're going back and telling them all the things let me tell you something there will always be adversity to the real there will always be adversity uh, to Jesus' name. Uh, there will always be the spirit of antichrist uh, to the ones that are truly preaching Christ and him crucified. My goodness. I've got to stay on topic. <laughs> and so, Stephen, you know, the, 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 the issues begin to rise up and, and, the, and the apostles say, all right, this is what we've got to do. We've got to get some folks to get underneath the weight of what we're trying to do. We've got to get some people that are full of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Let me tell you something. We've got to stay full of the Holy Ghost in the day that we're living in. I'm going to say that again. We've got to stay full of the Holy Ghost in the day that we're living in. We are living in a day that wants to fill us up with everything but the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Come on, you turn on your source of media and immediately you get preached fear, you get preached distraction, you get preached everything, and it's all trying to drain you of the Holy Ghost. But let me tell you something, friend. Now more than ever, we have got to come ready and full of the Holy Ghost. Hey, I wonder what type of church we would have if everybody showed up on Sunday already full of the Holy Ghost. I wonder what type of worship we would have if everybody showed up full of the Spirit of God, ready to have a move of God. Oh, come on, somebody. I wonder what would happen right now if you would lift your hands and say, Lord, fill me to the brim. Fill me all the way up to the... I tell you what would happen. You would begin to overflow into your hurting neighbor. You would begin to overflow all across. My goodness. Come on, pray unto the Lord. Worship him for just a few minutes. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, I feel something moving right now. I feel something stirring right now. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Come on, lift your voices. There's something stirring in this house right now. Bible makes it very clear. Stephen is full of the Holy Ghost and he's full of faith. Hey, you got to stay full of faith in the day that we're living in. We walk by, not by. If you start walking by sight, you're going to get discouraged in the hour that we're living in. 
if you start living by what you see and not what you know, you're going to start being very discouraged in the hour that we're living in. We've got to learn now more than ever to walk by faith and not by sight. How does faith come? Faith cometh by hearing by the we got to get the word within us. You need to come to church on Sunday and say, preach, preacher. Build my faith. Come on, build me up. I'm stepping out into a world that is perverse and is perverted. Hey, we need the word of God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Come on, we've got to hear. Then Peter said, I'm not over this New Testament message. I'm not over what God has Come on, we've got to get full of faith nowadays. We've got to let our faith rise in this atmosphere. We've got to learn. Oh, Lord. The enemy is after your vision. He's after what you see. Because if you start walking by what's out there, it's going to begin to cause issues within your walk. Because this is what happens. When you start walking by sight and not by faith, it will detour you off of being led by the Spirit of God. But when we get out in the world and we're full of faith and we're full of the Holy Ghost... Oh, see, something begins to happen uh, when a child of God uh, steps out of their prayer closet on Monday morning, uh, steps out of their devotion, their time alone with the Lord uh, on Tuesday out into the world, uh, and they're full of the Holy Ghost uh, because they connected to the source. Uh, they plugged in the... Hey, I love, I love, I love church. I was born and raised in this. This is all I've ever known. I'm fifth generation in this. I used to hear somebody say, I cut my teeth on the church pew, and I didn't know what that meant. I mean, I teethed on them. I guess I was gnawing on them when I was a baby. Who knew? If you bred my DNA, it probably wouldn't say chromosome. It'd say X238. <laughs> this is all I've ever known, and I don't want to know anything. Let me tell some of you something. I, I just feel like saying this really quick. You don't have to have the testimony of the prodigal. We thank God for every testimony of the prodigal. Yes, we thank God that while you were away that you came home. But you don't have to go away. There is a keeping agent to the Holy Ghost. There is a holding agent of the... Let me tell you what another beautiful testimony is. Alcohol has never touched these lips. I've, come on. That's also another beautiful testimony. You don't have to go out and come back. You don't ever have to leave. Oh, man, I feel the Holy Ghost. There's so much faith in this atmosphere right now. Why don't you just worship? I know this might be a little unorthodox, but I just feel the Holy Ghost right now. Why don't you clap your hands and just shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph? So this is what you see. I'm, I'm a cameraman's worst nightmare. I am so sorry. I'm a mover. I apologize to the media team. Y'all, I'm telling you, they, they keep Pentecost going. Weren't we thankful for the media team around here? <laughs> This is what I've learned in traveling is that, you know, we, we have these three different levels of maturity that were given to us by the Apostle John in his epistle. 
He talks to us about babes, young men, and father. Those are the three levels. And you see, when a church gets to a certain level of growth, they get hindered like they did in Acts 6 until there are the seven chosen. The Stevens rise up and they get underneath the weight of what God's wanting to do. Up until Acts 6, there's only the apostles doing it. But after Acts 6, the church gets empowered to do what God's calling them to do, which looses the Samaria and the uttermost revival that was prophesied about by Jesus. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the world. But you cannot have uttermost in Samaria revival until there is a release of apostolic people within the church to do what they're called to do. So listen, there are three levels of maturity that is listed by John. He says, first of all, babes. Babes are those that are baptized in Jesus' name like we're going to have today and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost like we're going to have today. Those of you that just step into the church, and you know what he says about babes? You desire the sincere milk of the word of God. That's what's talking. You know what sincere milk is? That's doctrine. You get a hold of doctrine and you fall in love with it. You link up to a Bible study. You crack that Bible open and you learn why we baptize like we baptize. Why we believe in the infilling of the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in a new tongue. Why we believe the way we believe. Walk the way we talk. Talk the way we talk. Why we do the things we do. That's milk. You love it. You fall in love with it. And then there's the next step and he goes to young men. Now, young men is this middle ground, and this is where a lot of us, now listen, I, I love all of y'all, this is my first time here, don't hate me, but this is where we get stifled at, I feel it, this is just what I feel in the Holy Ghost. Young men, he says, I'm proud of you because you have overcome the wicked one. This is the realm of victory. God is a God of victory. This is where you come to church and you get victory. Pray, God. Victory. You know why they won't let Jesus in the jewelry store? He'll break every chain. He's a God of victory. That's what we, we've got to say. Well, listen, I'm not, I am not downgrading the realm of victory. We need to know if you're bound by alcohol, God can give you victory. If you're bound by nicotine, I've seen it in one moment. I've watched men take Marlboro Reds out of their breast pocket and throw it on the altar. Come to me a few weeks later in revival, and they say, I've never wanted it again. He is a God of victory. He can heal you and deliver you of depression, anxiety. He can heal you, and there is nothing that he cannot deliver you from. I've seen him do it. I've seen him heal people of lung disease. I've seen him restore heart failure. I've seen him do miracle signs. He is a God of victory. But there's a third level that he talks about and many of us never go to. We settle for victory. And we are happy. Watch, we come to church and we get victory. And then we go home and we're bound. We come to Wednesday, we get victory. We go home and we're bound. We come to Sunday, we get victory. We go home and we're bound. And we bounce from victory to victory to victory to victory. You know that there were only five kings in the promised land? He said, I'm going to let you have it little by little. There ought to be a level where you're no longer operating in victory, but you have dominion over the territory. And so this is what we do as Pentecost. Listen, I love it. This is all I've ever known. But all we know is know how to come to church and get victory. There was a third level of maturity, and it's called fathers. Now, listen, I'm not a dad yet. I'm about to be. Come September 30th, praise God. 
But this is what I've learned about fatherhood. You can't be a father unless you have a son or a daughter. What does that mean? You've produced something. You've created something. You've produced something from you. Oh, I feel like preaching just a little bit right now. I'm almost done. We have to get out of the realm of coming to church just to receive something. Oh, I'm coming to church. Pastor, preach me a good one, and I'll move, I'll shout, I'll dance, and we'll have good church today. I wonder what would happen if we didn't come to church saying, move me, if we came to church like this saying, I don't care what you preach. I've spent time with God this week. I've created a flow this week. Watch. And then whether he's preaching Acts 2.38, and you've heard it 100,000 times, there's a flow coming out of you, and you're producing faith. You're producing joy come on and then the person next to you needs victory and you don't need so you lay hands on them and then the next thing you know the person next to you get a miracle and they never even my Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost. there is a release of apostolic ministry in this place today where you rise up and you become a producer in the spirit Come on, you ought to lift your hands and produce a little faith. You ought to lift your hands and produce. Come on, speak faith right now. Speak something into the atmosphere. Speak something. You feel that? You feel that shift in the atmosphere? Somebody said, if I don't receive nothing, I'm going to be used today for somebody to get a breakthrough, for somebody to get delivered. Come on, worship him. What in spirit and in truth. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Uh, uh. Come on, get lost in the Holy Ghost. Uh, there's a wind of glory moving in this house right now. There is a leveling up in the spirit. Uh, I feel it coming to you right now. Uh, lift your hands and say, use me, God. Use me, God. tell you what I felt in the Holy Ghost for this church. For this thing to go to the level of vision that it has, there's going to have to be some of you that quit waiting on other people to do it. And you're going to have to get underneath the weight of revival and the weight of vision. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. And the weight of what God is wanting to do. And you're going to have to say, I'm not coming to church anymore to be moved. Listen, yes, come to church. This is where you bring your heartaches, your pains, and you'll leave touched. But sometimes we've got to quit coming to church only to receive something. There's got to be a mindset shift that says, I'm coming to be used by God today. I'm coming to do something for God today. Come on. That's where the level of revival that God wants to send this church is at. That's where we're going. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. You ought to lay hands on somebody right now. You ought to grab a hold of your neighbor right now and say, we're going to another level. We're going to a new territory.
Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it in the name of Jesus. You ought to ask your neighbor, do you need something from God? And if they do, you ought to bring them to this altar right now and lay your hands on them and produce a flow in the Spirit. hear me Luke chapter 9 Luke chapter 9 God sends out the 12 apostles go before me and prepare the way go produce something before I show up go create something before I show up and then when I get there they will be ready for what I'm going to do when I get there how many neighborhoods I wonder are represented in this place where God is waiting on you to step into your neighborhood and prepare the way for what he's wanting to do at that point Come on. How many jobs are represented here where God is saying, I sent you there to prepare the way for a revival? Come on. See, we don't want to think like that. That's why we just hit a wall right there. We don't want to think that way. We want revival to be right here in the building, and it will. But God's got to get you to make a way first. That's why he sent the 12 disciples out. Go preach my name. Go do miracles, signs, and wonders. Hey, and tell them I'm coming. If you study, if you study the timeline of the Gospels, do you realize that they had only been following him for six months to a year? And he looks at them and says, you've been following me too long. You've been on my tail for too long and you haven't done nothing. It's time for you to go do something. It's time for you to go out and do what I've been, six months to a year. How many people have been here longer than six months to a year? Raise your hand. Hey, I'm not trying to throw stones. I'm trying to create a hunger within you. Watch, chapter 10, he releases the 70. What does that mean? When the core does what they're called to do, the fringe will do what they're called to do. We expect there to be mass revival, but there's got to be core revival. And when there's core revival, it'll release mass revival. Ooh, come on. In this room right now, there are miracles, signs, and wonders. It moved in here during worship. The miraculous stepped in here when they began to sing about the name of Jesus. Miracles, signs, and wonders are represented right now. And all God's waiting on. See, this is, oh, Jesus. This is what we do right here is we want the evangelist to come in. And, 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 and when the right evangelist shows up, then we'll have revival. When the right person, if we could just get Lee Stone King here for about two weeks, uh, then we can have what God wants us to have. Hear me. The mass and that God wants to send revival across this nation, there will not be enough big name preachers to show up and usher it in. It can't happen that way in the last days. If it's going to happen like God wants it to happen, he needs you to step into your apostolic calling and release the anointing that is laid dormant in you. Come on, church. You ought to release an anointing in this atmosphere. There is a breaking in Atlanta West today. I feel it. 